All right, matter of the heart. We're in a brand new series called The State of the Heart. Where is my heart when it comes to Jesus? And today I want to start with series sermon number one called The Matter of the Heart. Do you know that every one of us in this room worships something? Every one of us. Because God created us to worship. And by that, we worship something by showing our love, our affection, our energy, our adoration. When we give ourselves to something, we're worshiping that person or that item. And once someone asked me recently, what is worship? Because we use that term often around here. We use the term family around here a lot. I don't want to be a church. I want a family. Uh, we're a family here, and that's why this is taking place. All right? And so, but what is worship? Worship is love expressed. Worship is responding to what we value the most. And so whatever I value the most in my life is what I'm going to respond to with my energy, my emotions, my time, my schedule. And all of us have something that is very important to us. It, it could be you. It, you could be what you worship. You know, if you put more time on fixing the face than you do the heart, if you put more time on the bicep than you do the soul, I got some oohs and ahs that I hadn't got to my first point yet. All right, okay? You worshiping you. Maybe you worship that significant other in your life, a spouse, or you're the wannabe spouse. Maybe it's your job, your career, a hobby, I'm in a deer stand next week in Kentucky, all right? Yeah, is that, a, yeah, we're getting there, Daniel. It's okay, all right? It could be fitness. None of these are bad things. They can be things that you worship, and that's okay. Money, shopping, sports, that Gators, Seminole, Alabama, Crimson Tide, LSU Tiger. Yeah, all of those things, and whatever consumes your thoughts, your emotions, and your dreams throughout your day, that's what you worship. And the fact is, God does not mind you and I having other things that we adore other than him as long as they don't take his place. Are you with me? And so God wants me to hunt and provide for my family. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And he wants that. That's why he taught me to do that, all right? My wife loves it because she can shop and I don't know it when I'm gone, all right? And, uh, but I do know when the bills come, okay? But uh, we all must admit and confess that though God is always on our list, sometimes he's not at the top of it. And I want to talk to you about that today on the state of our heart. Where, where is our heart at today? Because you become obsessed with what you worship. And where, whatever you are obsessed with, you begin to imitate. And whatever you imitate, you become. Read Facebook, but not much. I mean, you, you see these adults on there going, oh, I found him. I found the hunk. I found, Honey, you're the greatest miracle. Oh, you're God's sin to my life. I can't imagine life without you. And three months later, he's a dog. He's gone. He's done ran off and got another woman who's so desperate she can't live life without a man. Sounded like you three months ago. Some are obsessed with lifting. Their whole identity is based on how much weight they can lift. They can lift three and 400 pounds, but they didn't pick up a two-pound Bible this week. 
Some are obsessed with ministry. We worship ministry more than the reason we do it. It's how big did I have a crowd Sunday? How many was there? How much can I compare with another church down the street? And we miss the very person that we're doing this for. And so all of us have to realize today that whatever you're obsessed with, you begin to imitate, and whatever you imitate, you become. And if you don't like what you're becoming, you need to take an inventory of where you've placed Jesus in your life. Are you with me today? Or I know it's hard to start with, but I'm going to calm it down, all right? No, I'm not really. I'm just trying to say that keep you here, okay? But see, my pastor's role is to take you through seasons of life. That's our job as pastors is to walk you through these seasons. And in July, we were in the season of serving as a church. We served this community through all type of, of serving, mowing grass, cutting lawn, painting buildings, and, and all type of buildings around here. In August, we took you through a journey of faith. You've got to have it. You've got to have that type of faith and trust in God. And, and then in September, we took you through You Asked For It, where we answered the questions that you had asked us that you wanted some explanation on it. And we saw more people come to Jesus in August and September than we've seen in any months in the history of this church. And this month, we're going to deal with your heart because next month we're going to start a series called Unstoppable. Because when you're connected with a kingdom, there's nothing can stop you. And so we're taking you through seasons of life. And let me say, just as a farmer, the fall is the number one season of harvest in the natural and agriculture. It's also the time that we see more people come to Christ in the whole year during the, the calendar. There's something about the fall that people come to church. And so next month, we're giving you a month to prepare. We want everyone in this church bringing at least one guest with you every Sunday next month. And we're going to see more people come to Jesus in November than we've ever seen in the history of this church. Amen? Come on, you with me? And so the Bible addresses the issue of the heart by telling us that there's a generation like us that we live in today that are making what I want to talk about called deadly and destructive exchanges that we're exchanging our worship of God for other things. Other things are taking his place. In Romans 1, let's go real quick. For although they knew God, these are confessing Christians, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claim to be wise, that's one of my pet peeves in America today, everybody knows the answer. Do we not hear the word I? I mean, every politician's telling us what I is gonna do, and if it ain't working, why do you keep telling us you're gonna make it work? From all of them, I, I, I. I hear I a lot, but I don't hear we much. I never accomplishes anything great. We can accomplish anything together. Are you with me? And, and so he comes here and he says here that, that they're confessing this to be wise. They became fools, and here's the word, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Because in the biblical times, they created idols out of these animals or these figures, and they would worship them. Today, we do not create idols of figures but where do we put the majority of our thoughts, our devotions, our money, and our time because the answer to those are the idols in our life. 
And so I want us to look at this today because there's a destructive exchange that's taking place in the church of our generation. Here's the first exchange that's taking place. Number one is tradition. That they exchange the glory of God for an idol. And I'm a traditionalist, so this one affects me because I love my heritage. I love the tradition that I was brought up in. I love the family nature I was growing. I love the church. And, and, and though we have all these amazing worship songs that I absolutely love today, when I, and I do worship by myself at home every day, and, and someone asked me one time, they said, how do you come up and just stop worship like that and go on with a service? You ought to just let it keep going. I said, we don't need to because we do it all week long. It's the person that hadn't worshiped all week that comes to church and starts feeling it and going, we need to keep, no, I would love to keep it going too, but I gotta preach to you because I wanna see some more people coming to the kingdom. And, and, and when we come and understand tradition, so I love this worship, but I can tell you what, when I'm by myself and I'm worshiping God, those hymns still come up. They still come up within me. I love those hymns of old and, and they're part of my tradition. They're who they are, who I am. But do you know, you can make a God out of your tradition too. We have folks that don't attend this church that they're constantly shooting stuff. We got some stuff in the mail from folks going, you, you got those lights and fog machines in your church and you traded a suit for blue jeans and where's your pulpit? Wow. Wherever you stay. I mean, am I not telling the truth? We get this. And I go, you're worshiping a tradition. Well, your church looks like a bar. I said, well, yours looks like a funeral home. <laughs> Got your pews and your stage. It don't make it one, so don't make me a bar either. If I'm not doing it the way you do it, don't attack me because I'm not blasting you. Let's just make sure Jesus is being worshiped in whatever style we're using. Yeah. It's all. You can make a God and you can exchange the glory of God for your tradition. The second thing is observation. Observation. That's where people come to church and just show up. Just show up. Hadn't give God anything yet. Just Now, if you're brand new and you don't know Jesus yet, just keep coming. Because sooner or later, it'll get in your big toe. Your pinky, you know. But if you've been walking with Jesus for years, you shouldn't be observing. You should be participating. And, and we've traded, we've exchanged our participation in our worship to God to observe. Well, I wonder where them lights are going today. I wonder what that team's going to do today. And, and I hadn't heard this. I'm just talking. That's what the enemy wants to do. You see, being in a worship service doesn't mean you're worshiping. You see, because remember, worship is your response to what you value the most. Songs about the God of the heavens and earth are being sung. You can't be sitting down during that. Not if you have the health to stand up. You can't stand through worship like this when you're talking about the God of the heavens and the earth who redeemed us from lost mankind, who paid the ultimate price by giving us his son. You can't come through a song of worship and sit down and say, I'm tired. You gave the world five days, 40 hours of your week, and you're too tired to stand and give God 30 minutes of your energy and praise. God in heaven's going, really? Really, that's the best you can do? Yeah. Yeah. Really? 
I have a tumor in this foot. Been there for years. They've been wanting to take it out. It's painful, painful on a nerve. By the third service, I'm crying on the inside because you don't see me sitting at all. And it's not because I'm a pastor because I can do it. They have a bar stool that I was using, and I said, I'm not using that anymore because I feel slothful because I'm representing a king. I'm standing. I'm not sitting during worship because I'm not singing for this church. I'm giving glory to the God who's the Redeemer and the Savior of my soul. And God's saying, don't exchange, don't exchange, don't become an observer and stop worshiping and giving honor to the glory of God. James, he says it. He says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Worship is not spectating, it's participating and giving God the very best that we can give him. In Hebrews 10, it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of our faith. And let me tell you, Psalms, remember the Psalms? Here, here's what the Psalms teach us through the whole Psalms. They teach us what worship looks like. And the psalmist repeatedly tells us it's the clapping of our hands. It's the shouting aloud with a voice of triumph. It's the standing before the presence of God. It's honoring him. Can I tell you, many of your Saturdays at home in front of your football TV looks more like Sunday than Sunday does. Get them, Gators. Go, Tide. I ain't heard you say one hallelujah in three years in church. <laughs> Neither has God. He hadn't seen you jump out of your chair in church yet and go, you're awesome, God. Go Gators, you the best. God's going, really? Really in church, that's the best I get? I'm not on the top of your list. Something else has taken my place. Number three is worldly pleasure. Don't worry, I'm gonna get you saved in a minute. I'm gonna get you happy. I'm just talking about some of the sin. Y'all with me? Worldly pleasures, Proverbs 21. He who loves pleasure will become a poor man. And he who loves wine and oil will not become rich. We live in a society where pleasure and happiness is a goal of life. If it feels good, do it. Life today is no longer lived on morals, but rather now feelings. Morals have nothing to do with the mankind today. That's been taken out. That's not politically correct to talk about that. So we can't talk about that. Let's go by how you feel. I'm coming. <laughs> Don't judge me, preacher. This is how I feel. That's a dangerous way to live your life. You can't live by how you feel. You've got to live by what he says. Feelings cannot be trusted. I can't trust my feelings because they're based on my emotion, not my heart. We do not come to church to bless our feelings. It's not about us. Well, when they get to those worship songs, I'll get in. Just this stuff don't move me yet. Me? Don't move me? I didn't know I was singing for me. I thought I was worshiping him. Well, when they get to my style, I'll get in. I didn't know this was about us. I thought this was all about him. Someone asked me the other day, not here, somebody else wanted to, you know, why you have them lights flying everywhere? 
Why do you have that, all that stuff going on? I'll tell, I'll tell you why. I want everything in this building. I want every piece of equipment. I want everything in this building that we can get moving, that demonstrates to heaven that you're the greatest thing ever happened in our life. Anything I can do that's gonna show heaven, if the flowers are praising him, the grass is praising him, the trees are praising him, then get some lights moving, get some fog going, get some hands raising, get some fat, and let's give him the best we can give him every time we come together. Number four is pride. Ooh, got some more oohs. Well, you know, Pastor, I would get in, but I don't know if anybody's looking at me. They're not. I feel like everybody in the church watching me. They're not. They don't even know you. They ain't watching you. They didn't come to worship you. And I hope you didn't come to worship me because give me about three minutes and I'm going to disappoint you. If you don't believe that, ask her. No. Quit worrying about what other people are thinking and worry about what he's thinking. What is he getting from you today? You don't have to do it like somebody else. I mean, just come to where you're just holding air. And then you're lifting a TV. Now you're praising the king. You'll get there. Just come and do something. But don't let pride, don't let pride, don't let pride. It's not just what you do in church. What stories are you telling at work? What are you watching in the privacy of your office on your computer? What am I doing giving God? What am I giving God? Where is God at in my life? What's the conversation of my, of my, uh, of my, what's the topic of my conversations when I'm out there talking to other people? Is it all about me or am I talking about God and his goodness in my life? Though I swallow this thing called pride. Don't be so conscious and worrying about what other people are thinking and not be centered on what God is thinking about you. Because God wants your worship. In John chapter 12, it says, Yet the same time many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise from God. Today, I want to tell you something. There should be nothing more important than your life than God receiving your praise today. Amen. That when I wake up in the morning, I'm praising him. When I go to bed at night, I'm thanking him for another day. Amen. That I'm giving him the praise and the honor. Don't let pride come into your life. But don't exchange that. Don't exchange the worship and the glory of God for pride. It'll destroy you. Number five is idolatry. Idolatry. Anything you substitute to get your time, energy, and devotion other than God is an idol. I saw this on Facebook the other day. I talked to him. He, he didn't like it. So I'm going to talk to him again. And then I put this on Facebook this week, and some folks didn't like that, so I'm going to put it on again this week too. But he, he's, a, he's a bodybuilder, he's a weightlifter, and he's talking all this protein, and my wife and I take that. We both do the gym every day. Not that you can tell that more than her than me, but anyway, uh, but we do that, and it's protein, and then it's this, and then it's this, and it's this, and it's this, and this guy's like a pharmacy of stuff to get fit, and I hadn't heard him mention Jesus one time. And I said, you've got an idol, bro. I said, your muscles mean more to you than your faith in God. 
because I don't hear you mentioning Jesus yet. And then I put a note on Facebook about parents that are so adamant about making sure their kids are at the ball team and at the ball game. And I, I said, I grew up in church. I played ball for 14 years. I was a starting catcher for 14 years, played two years of what was called big league ball and traveled for the state of Florida. But I can tell you what, when you lived in my house, you didn't miss church on Sunday and you didn't miss youth service on Wednesday night because my parents knew that my spiritual walk with Jesus was more important than a trophy. And my kids, and I coach ball in this town, and, and my kids never missed a Sunday, and they never missed a youth night to be at a ball field either. And when I coached the girls' softball at Inslee, I made a rule on my team. We will not practice, nor will we play a game on Wednesday night. And we told the league, and we forfeited first place because we had to forfeit three Wednesday night games that we would not show up for because our team was in church, and our trophy was two inches shorter than the first place trophy. But those girls are married and living in this town now, and I still run into them, and they thank me for making that decision because them and their family are in church church today. And I'm saying something to some of you parents right now. Some of you parents are trying to relive your childhood through your children and you're sacrificing the spiritual walk with Jesus of your children to satisfy your own idol of being at a ball field. You make sure Johnny and Susie are up an hour and a half early getting ready for the ball game. We're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. And you didn't even bring them to church on Sunday. Something else has taken the place of your worship. Good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> Woo, it's quiet in here. So what does God really want then? There's five exchanges. Are y'all with me today? You love me? I'm trying to preach, trying to talk pastoral because I care. And we, we live it every year as pastors. We live it and parents won't listen. And then when Johnny turns 18 and doesn't want anything to do with God, we got mom and daddy busting our door down going, where did I go wrong? And I'm going to tell you. You put something else in their life ahead of God, and that's what they're worshiping today. So what does God want? What does God really want? What is true worship? Psalms 50. God is speaking. He says, I have no complaint about your sacrifice or the burnt offerings you constantly offer. Because I told you to do that. I asked you to do that and you did. I have no complaint with that, God says. But I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens. God says, you, you brought them to me because I asked you to. But I really don't need them. Why? Because all the animals of the forest are already mine. And I own the cattle on a thousand hills. And God's saying, I asked you to do it because I just wanted to see if you would. Because what you brought to me, to sacrifice to me, was already mine before you ever got it. I didn't need it. I got a cattle on a thousand hills. I, I didn't need your animal. I was looking to see where your heart's at. Are you willing to obey me and give me what's mine and worship me? I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, God said, I wouldn't even tell you. I wouldn't come and tell you if I was hungry. And here's what I got here, put it in today's word. I, I don't need your tithe because I'm broke, God's saying. I just wanted to see if you would bring it. I don't need your money. Streets are made out of gold where I'm at. I just wanted to see where your heart was at. I, I don't need you greeting at a door, God's saying. I just wanted to see if you would do it. 
I want to see where your heart's at. I, I, I don't need you to be at church every Sunday to get to heaven, but I just wanted to see if you would obey my word and not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of something. I just want to know where your heart's at. That's worth coming to church for if I didn't say anything else. For all the world is mine, God said, and everything in it. Do I eat the meat of bulls? Do I drink the blood of goats? No. And here's what I want to show you. Worship, true worship, is giving God something he does not already have. And I'm going to share three things very quickly with you. You go, well, God has everything. No, he did. But God voluntarily forfeited some things that he gave the rights over to us. That the only way he will have them now is if we give them back to him. And this is what he said he wants. Read on. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Keep the vows you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you're in trouble, and I'll rescue you, and you will give me glory. So here's the first thing God wants from us that's true worship that he doesn't have unless we give it to him. And that's what makes it worship. Number one is give thanks with my whole heart. You mean, Pastor, what, what you're really telling me is that I need to be at church more and, and do more on the dream team and, and start a small group and bring my ties to church. No, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. And those things are very important. But what I'm saying to you is that God wants to know before you give your actions, he wants to know where is your heart? What's the heart of the matter. It's like those mornings, and you will understand when you're in a deer stand and, and it's dark, and all of a sudden the sun starts to come up, and, and you're out in the middle of nature, and all of a sudden you see the creation working. And literally, I experience this all the time, and I go, Wow. And I would go, You did that. You made that. Out. You did that, man. You are awesome. You are awesome, man. And, and, and God's saying, I'm not looking at what you're giving me. I want to know where's your heart at with me. How do you think about me when you think about me? Where do I stand in this thing called your life? Let me put it in, in something you're going to understand. We have four children. Add their children to that. There's 11 in my family now. And we've done this for generations, for years. We love it in our family. We love to take our kids, our, our family out to eat. And 11 times anything's a lot. I mean, 11 times Sonic is a lot. And we still take them out and we'll pay for it and they don't want us to and, and they try to do stuff for us and then they'll try to pay us back and that's not what we want. What I want is them to get in their vehicle when we're going home and going, dad is great, dad is great, dad is great. Got the best dad in the world. Got the best dad in the world. Dad is great. That's all I want. That's all I hope for. Can I tell you, that's what God's doing in heaven. That's why I'm trying to use that. All God's wanting from you is to be down here going, Dad is great. God is great. You are awesome. You're why I breathe. You're the best ever happened. No one's like you, Father. That's all God's saying. I just want you thinking about me all day long going, I'm in the right family. I've got the right Father. This is cool. This is awesome. You're great. That's all he's saying. 
And that's what he said. That's all I want from you because if you're doing that, you're going to be serving at a door. You're going to be giving what's supposed to be. You're going to be bringing what's supposed to be brought. But it's the condition of your heart that I'm looking at. Number two is you give control over your entire life to him. Give control. Here's what he said. And keep the vows you made to the most high. You see, some of you right here, right now, you need to move out of your casual relationship with God and start making it much more serious. Now, I know you're writing, but I want you to look at me for one second. Here's what God wants from you today. This is true worship. He wants you to quit dating him for the benefits. And I know that because we dated for six years. I spent a whole lot of money on that beautiful woman before she said I do. Stay with me. Can I tell you, it's serious now, serious, I got to close. And this is good, this is fun. She said I'm worth it. That's why they're laughing, okay? And she is, she's much, very much worth it. Anything you want, baby. I'm going hunting in a week, anything you want, okay? But here's what God's wanting. Here's what God's saying. I don't own this. And here's, listen to me now. Here's what God's saying. We're talking about worship. God's saying, I don't own this anymore. It's an option. I gave the option to you. I want to know, is your commitment to a point that you're willing to walk down an aisle, put a spiritual ring on your finger, and say, I do to me, and make a vow to me that this is forever. You're number one on my list. You're number one. See, she's, I live for her, but she's not number one on my list. Because if God's not on the top, I can't be the man I need to be for her. But she's definitely number two. And God's saying, I just want to know, do you love me enough to quit dating me for the benefits? And are you willing to make a commitment of your whole life to me? That's what I want to know. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? And then thirdly, and I close, involve him in your everyday life. How do I worship God? I involve him in everything I do. Go hunting. He wants you to have fun. Go fishing. He wants you to lift weights. He wants you to do that. Run like a wild man. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Because I ain't doing it. I do my two, three miles in the morning, but I ain't doing no 70-something miles of nothing unless it's got a steering wheel and four wheels on it. I ain't, mm. oh, man, crazy in a good way. God's saying, I just want to know, will you give me everything? Will you involve me in your everyday life? And here's what he said. And when, when you've got those first two down, call on me when you're in trouble and I'll rescue you. Here's what I want you to get. We all hear that and go, well, yeah, here's what God's really saying. If you worship me, you're going to call on me before you call on anybody else. When your marriage is in trouble, who are you running to? Somebody else or God said, are you calling on me? When, when you're in trouble, are you running to somebody else first? Because whoever you run to first is who you worship. That's where your faith is at. God's simply saying, am I the first one you run to when you're in trouble? I want to be first. I want my kids to know that if they're ever in trouble, the first place they can come is right here. 
They don't have to go anywhere else because dad's going to fix it. They know the law of this church knows that if my children or my grandchildren, I don't care if the president, I don't care if the prime minister of Israel, I don't care if the pope is in my office. If one of my children or my wife or my grandchildren walk in here and go, I want to see dad or I want to see papa or I need to see my husband, I don't care who's in there, they get access to me. I don't care who or what. My family's never told one second to wait because they have free access. I'm the first one they need to come to. They never have to feel like they can't get to me. Can I tell you, that's what God's trying to say to you today is I want you to worship me to a point that you know that I'm the first one you come to because you are never told to wait. I'm your father. I've got this. I'm covering you. We've got this done. You're the man. Come on, let's do this. And God says, run to me before you run to anybody else. So my time's already gone. What does God really want? He wants you to give thanks with your whole heart. He wants to give you to give control of your entire life to Him. Keep your vows and then involve Him in everyday life. Call on Him when trouble comes. And here's the last comment. Because of the heart of matter is this. God's ultimate desire is for a relationship with you. God wants to be in relationship with you. And so here's the question I close with. Where's God at in your life? Where does he sit of importance in your life today? Some of you, you thought that he was at the top of your list, but somewhere in this message, you realize something has dethroned him. Some of you, he's a stranger. You don't know him today. Somebody brought you to church or you just came on your own and, and today you're at that place that I know God's real, but I haven't surrendered my life to him. Some here today, you once had a top-notch relationship with God, but things have happened and he's no longer sitting on the top, but he wants to be. God's just saying today, where is your heart? Where are you gonna put me in your heart? Bow your heads with me, please. If you're here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm not a bad person, but I have to confess today that Jesus is not the top of my list and today I'm not a Christian I I don't know Christ right now I know of him and I know he's good and and I know that I need to make a big decision today and I just want Jesus to be the Lord of my life I'm not going to point you out nor am I coming to you I want to pray for you and if that's you right now would you just slip a hand up right where you sit and say I need Jesus in my life today pray for me pastor I need to make a decision today I need God pray for me anyone very quickly I need him today. I'm not, I'm not a bad person. I'm just not in a good place spiritually, Pastor. God bless you. Anyone else? I need to make that decision today, Pastor. I need to make it today. This is my day. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. Anyone else to pray? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Because we're going to pray over prayer, general prayer with you. And I want you to agree with me. God bless you. If you raise your hand or you did not and you need Jesus in your life. Pray this prayer with us right now. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord, believe in my heart that you raised from the dead, I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead and I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, 
I'm saved. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You join me and let's give a hand clap of praise to these that have prayed today. God bless you.